And I really went on this trail of taking lots of medication um, and I got sicker. So I ended up, my whole right side went, my whole right, from my right hip down to my toe, I lost my feeling in my leg. My left foot feeling went. I had um, muscle, but I couldn't feel anything. And then all my hands went, I was completely blind. I lost feeling my face, my face, one side of my face started to drop. Uh, I had the fatigue was terrible. I couldn't work. I couldn't drive. Could barely walk. Um, I always get emotional talking about this. Lucky the one thing right. for me that was really hard for me was um, I couldn't mum. Yeah. What is up, everyone? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show where real people open up and share real stories of struggle. I am a flamingo obsessed, <laughs> and I just found out why. So I'm flamingo obsessed. <laughs> it's my spirit animal. All right, welcome back to the Open Up Podcast, everyone. Into episode 67 with speaker and coach Emma Romano. Thanks for taking the time to do this, buddy. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Feel special. You, yeah, you went and bought headphones. <laughs> I actually went out last night at nine o'clock at night and bought headphones. So, so this is how important you all are to me. <laughs> um, the first question straight off the bat is a deepish one, and that is: Could you describe yourself to anyone listening who isn't aware of you? Um, how you view yourself as a woman and/or human? Now, yes, I view myself as a human and as a woman as on his amazing journey to lift am I allowed to swear on this lucky yeah. okay oh, um I'm I'm on a mission and as a woman I'm here to lift all the old bullshit stories that we hold um and all the negative crap and limiting beliefs and negative emotions that we're conditioned into yeah we're not born with it we're conditioned into it <laughs> um and it is my it as a woman, I am here to support, love, and kick people's asses through that journey. That is awesome. In a loving way. In a loving way. <laughs> so, Those who know me, I'm an ass kicker. <laughs> so is that what you primarily do then? I've, I've seen in yeah. your bio you're a family freedom coach. Yep. I, I believe everybody's a family, whether you're a, a, a crazy cat lady, you're a family. Everybody's part of a family. You know, you're part of a tribe. You don't have to be blood. And I believe if one person changes in a family, it's a ripple effect. Yeah. You know, and that's the beautiful part about life. You know, not everybody has to be saved. Just one person has to start changing and this beautiful ripple effect happens. So I see clients one-to-one. But mostly right now what I want to do is I really want to save the freaking world, as we all do. Yeah. And I can do that by teaching people to do what I do. So, yeah. That's amazing. I get to travel the world. It's amazing. How so good. You, for most people, if they had a knowledge base like you do and if they could help people in the way that you do, there'd be a sense of scarcity. Like, I don't want to give my power to someone else because they'll take my purpose. How do you... 
how have you gone about dealing with that if that's been a problem at all? Um, so there is no competition in the world. <clears throat> there is enough room for everybody because even me as a top, say, healer, therapist, self-healing coach, I don't call myself a healer because I don't heal you. I give you the tools for you to heal yourself. I'm not God. <laughs> I love the confidence. <laughs> Toad fairy, but not God. Right? Um, even people who, who are really good in their field need help. Like Tony Robbins has a coach. Yeah. You know, the, the, the greatest athletes in the world have coaches. You never stop journeying and never stop growing. That's what life's about. It's about a beautiful journey. And what goes up must come down. You have to have polar opposites. And my thing, I, I want everyone to know what I know because it's awesome and it works. You know, if everybody would just, I, my life before now, I didn't have this kind of life. I had no money. I was sad. I was very sick. I had terrible relationships, um, abusive relationships. I wasn't this, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I didn't love myself. No, I didn't actually know who I was. I had a massive mask on. And I'm, you know, I've been on this journey for five years and I get to travel the world. But just last weekend, I took myself off on a four and three and a half day retreat. Well, wow. you know, to get rid of still more old stories that I was holding. That's amazing. You know, yeah, you, you, you can never stop on the journey. There, there's no, if you think there's an end game, it means you have a closed mindset. There's no end. You've got to enjoy that journey, yeah. and not I've, just the destination. I found on my own journey as well that when I do get to a point where I feel, hello, flamingos, when I feel like I have made it, <laughs> like I am at a point where I'm yeah. stable, that's when it all goes haywire. Yes. Yes. Isn't it shit? But <laughs> it happens. <laughs> like, it's true. Because right now I'm on this massive high because I've come back this weekend. I'm about to run a retreat. And it's all going well. But I know after that I'll go, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. you know, because what goes up must come down. But it's just knowing when you're down, what tools do I use to just visit it and not live in it? Yeah. Cool. I'm going to snip that. That's a good quote. You can, it, thanks. You can have that one. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, just visit. Don't live it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good one. Uh, so your story pretty much starts in childhood. So we'll just dive right in if you're comfortable to just sure. walk us through everything from there. Yeah, well, I was born into a terrible relationship with my mother and father. My father was an alcoholic. Um, he physically, mentally, sexually abused my mum. Um, thank God he left when I was about 10 months old. Yeah. And my mum, you know, born Catholic, Especially back then, you know, you have your bed, you lie in it, you know, you can't leave, you just suffer, you don't tell anybody, you put a mask on, everything's fine on the outside, but behind closed doors, everybody's slowly dying. Um, and then we moved into my grandparents and my grandmother is very much like my father. Wow. So she's, um, my mother literally married her mother. <laughs> Literally. So my my grandmother could be very sweet and beautiful, but on the other hand, she's a tyrant. Um, so she would want to fight. She would get drunk and she would physically want to fight. So she would want to fight my mum, my uncle. 
my grandfather and you know none of them were none of them would physically fight her um they would try and stop her and the only person who could stop her was me so even from my earliest age about three i'm sure it happened before that but about three i would lay on my mum's face to stop my grandmother clawing at her face um and that would stop my grandmother i was the only one who could stop my grandmother and it was sort of known as emma was the fixer emma's job was to keep peace in the family Emma's job was to make peace. Um, so even if my mom and my uncle were arguing, my uncle would ring me and say, hey, Emma, can you, can you talk to your mum and butter up for me? Like, <laughs> I was a peacekeeper. So that was my job. So I actually lived very much in um, fright and flight yeah. all my life. So I was very on edge, how are people feeling, what am I doing? And I felt very responsible for everybody else's journeys. Um, and it's exhausting. It is. It is. It's exhausting. Yeah. And then when you have that belief around yourself, because it give you a top tip, your unconscious mind will always prove you right, whatever belief you have. But it's a good one or a bad one, it will always prove you right. So I had this belief that I had to be needed. So when you go out in the big bad world in your 20s and you're like, wow, nobody needs me, you'll look for people who will need you. You will look for damaged people. You'll look for the narcissist. You'll look for that. So then I married a narcissist, my first husband. Um, I left him. I had two babies and I left him. I literally fled the country that was in London. And um, I had a one-year-old and I was six months pregnant with my second boy. And then I had my second boy really premature. He was premature three and a half months. And that was horrendous, which ended up, I ended up with PTSD after that for about 14 years. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, 14 years. Um, I couldn't stand the smell of antiseptic hand wash because um, every time you go in the nursery intensive care, you know, that's what you have to wash your hands and that the, the, your baby smells like, like that. So he was four, 742 grams. He was a he was tiny. Oh, sorry, I lost you. Um, sorry. Oh, my God. And again. So, sorry, I've really got my shit together, I promise. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, I got PTSD after that, but then I met the most beautiful man who I'm married to now, Anthony. My family call him Saint Anthony. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> excuse me. And I would always have, always put myself in a situation where I always, always put myself last. Okay. I didn't love myself. I, I thought I was ugly. I thought I was fat. <clears throat> I I didn't have any self-worth. Um, and you, then, yeah. You, like looking back now, do you have an understanding of why you had that? Just because um, I noted that you your mum had an abusive partner and I know a lot of women who are in that position feel over time that they deserve to have that. Was that any of that um, projected onto you at all? hundred percent. Um, I had my own mum's worthiness and she didn't have any. So we learn from the best. We're born with great self-worth, but then we just copy, copy, literally copy, copy, paste what's going on in our environment. And my mother had no self-worth. My mum's a beautiful, strong woman, but no self-worth within herself. Great work ethic, great mum, but when it came how people treated her, they treated her like crap. And so that my belief system was 
hey, that's how you're supposed to get treated. So I would search for people who would treat me like that. Wow. It was my environment to prove myself right again, yeah. right? You know, um, and I also had this massive belief system that I was really dumb. So I would go out and prove myself right with that too. Why I was just stupid. Because I was called Silly Emma from a very young age. Ah, Silly Emma. Okay. Silly Emma. So I could have been a toddler and I could have just fallen over. Oh, silly girl. Yeah. It could have been a term of endearment, but I was silly. That's sad how we take those, you know, we yeah. create a story around what happens. And 100% where. that's negative. Always. And for every one negative thing that's said to us, it takes a thousand positive things to undo that one negative. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing how we talk to ourselves. No one would say say as mean things to me as I did. Yeah. You know, and that that movie is ticking around my head was around twenty four seven. You know, I've got red hair, I've got freckles, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I'm ugly, I'm this. It just it was constant. You know. Yeah. And then something massive happened. <laughs> Huge. Do you want to hear it? Yes, please. 2014, going camping with my family and my eyes started going funny and it was actually my left eye and within four days I was completely blind in my left eye, gone. So first off it was just like blurry, then it was like the colour left and then it was I was completely blind and they discovered that I had optic neuritis, neuritis. So optic neuritis is the optic nerve that goes from the eyeball to the brain that was inflamed. And there's four reasons why you have optic neuritis. AIDS, HIV, MS, or a brain tumour. Oh, jeez. So I was like, oh, goody, which one? <laughs> Far out. Oh, I knew if it was HIV or AIDS, I was going to be in prison because I would have killed my freaking husband because he's yeah. the only one who could have given me that. <laughs> he was going to be dead, going <laughs> up for murder. <laughs> but um, I ended up with, um, I was diagnosed with MS. And in 2015, I really, sorry, 2014, I really trusted what people told me. I didn't trust myself or my gut instincts, okay. um, which was a very stupid thing to do. And I really went on this trail of taking lots of medication um, and I got sicker. So I ended up, my whole right side went, my whole right, from my right hip down to my toe, I lost my feeling in my leg. My left foot feeling went. I had um, muscle, but I couldn't feel anything. And then all my hands went, I was completely blind. I lost feeling in my face, my face, one side of my face started to drop. Uh, had cr- the fatigue was terrible. I couldn't work. I couldn't drive. Could barely walk. Um, I always get emotional talking about this. Lucky the one thing right. for me that was really hard for me was um, I couldn't mum. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing because that's what I pride myself in the most is being a mother to these two beautiful boys who are now sixteen and seventeen. And I couldn't mum. Um, and to be honest, that was the pivotal point. There was a time I loved children and there was a part where we was sitting on the couch and I was so fatigued and my son, Ben, he put his hand on my leg 
and we were watching a movie. I remember what it was. It was um, How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> and he, I was. And he, he was about 11 and he put his hand in my knee and he goes, hey, mummy. And I went, yeah. And he goes, I love it when you're sick. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Literally, I was, what? And he goes, you're still. And it blew my mind because I had this fear of judgment. I was never still. You're constantly on the go trying to please everybody. That's profound. Is, is the house clean? Is the dishes done? Do I look okay? Have I got my mascara on before my husband comes home? Oh, my God, is the kids' homework done? Like I was manic. No wonder I was blessed with MS. Do you know what I mean? I say I was completely blessed with MS because then I went, shit. And then I got worse. I ended up with a heart problem from the medication. I went back to the neurologist and I went, okay, this is, this is bullshit. When do I get better? And he said, actually, we don't know. We don't know enough about MS. You know, everyone's different. They don't know. They really don't. The doctors yeah. try and do as best they can. They really do. They don't know. So they just try medications. And then he said to me, um, we'll put you on stronger medication. And he said, but I reckon you'll be in a wheelchair within about six months. Um, he said, go home and start widening your doorways for a wheelchair. So that was July 2014, and that was the last time I ever went to the neurologist. So I've never been back. So I left and I went, okay, Emma, get your big girl pants on, and it is time to start healing yourself. Because I actually started thinking about shit within that three months that I was just literally dead. I started thinking, why, why, why me, why MS? And then I started thinking, hang on, what if I gave myself MS? What if I actually took responsibility and went, what if my actions and thoughts and my what I did day to day actually gave me MS? And I thought, well, if I gave myself MS, maybe that gives me power to get rid of MS. So I decided to take responsibility and which was really hard to do, to be honest. It was much easier to me to be a victim and it was much easier for me to blame everybody else and God and universe and, you know, the kids and the, whatever, um, taking too much ecstasy in the 90s. <clears throat> anyway, it was, <laughs> I, I was in London, right? It was, yep. it, was, it was good shit. It was good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Signing on the weekend. Anyway. <laughs> You know, what, it was easy for me to blame that. So then I left the doctors and I was like, right, let's go on a journey. So I went on this massive journey. First it was gut health, clean up the gut. But to be honest, what it was, it was getting rid of these negative emotions and these limiting beliefs. That's powerful. You know, and instead of being needed in a way that was taking away my energy, now I'm needed is an energy exchange. So different. I, f- I feel like you having MS, and could you just explain MS for anyone who doesn't know what it is? Yeah, so multiple sclerosis is this thing. You have lesions on your brain, and it actually it's an autoimmune disease that it is attacking your own body. Yep. So what it does, it's your nervous system. So you will lose. You can you cannot walk. You cannot talk. Um, actually, that's another thing. I was I was forgetting a lot of stuff. So I was forgetting words. Um, so say, Lockie, if I just met you and you went, hi, my name's Lockie. I go, hi. 
or I couldn't I couldn't say what was on your head. Yeah. Like I couldn't say that's a beanie or a hat. I'd be like, that thing, that thing on your head, you just lose. It's really debilitating. And some people can have it for years and years and years and not know about it, or you can have it and bang, you just you got it, you know. Um but everything we get, every um, illness we have in our body is just an emotion that we haven't processed yet. Yeah. I think especially with yours, that's pretty profound that you sort of been slapped in to alignment with MS because like you were, you had this belief and you were affirming that you were dumb over and over and then you finally get to a point where you can't even remember someone's name. And you go from being someone who was always the protector and always wanted to be validated by being needed by someone to now like having to rely on people and having to relinquish being able to provide. How, how did you cope with that? Uh, well, I love how you bring up the validation. I, I needed a lot of validation and significance, but I always got it in the most negative way. So I would, um, I would, I was a drama queen. I was a gossiper. Okay. I would, I was a tennis coach. I played tennis comp. I was a netball tennis, uh, netball comp. I played roller derby. Roller derby. Do you know what roller derby is? Yep. Don't yeah, ever do that. It's no, just freaking stupid. Not just dumb. <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't. I broke myself. Don't do it. Right? And I would make myself busy. I was always in people's business. I was always doing this. I was always doing that. Do you get me? Yeah. Um. And then to go from that, your your full time job is to literally. I was going to say be a wanker, <laughs> really, <laughs> you know. Just oh god, I'm embarrassed to think how I was. But literally, ninety five percent of the population is like that, and you don't have to be. I went from that to bang in bed, and I was depressed. Because I'd lost my significance, I'd lost my validation, and then I turned it to this. This is how I used to introduce myself when I had MS, right? Hi, my name's Emma. I could be at a party, Lockie, right? Hi, my name's Emma. I've got MS and I'm really depressed. Also, I've got chronic fatigue. It's probably You probably noticed I limped a little bit walking towards you and I might have to leave early. What was your name? Oh, my God. Oh. I know. Wow. Oh, God. So no wonder I was attracting all the wrong people. Yeah. So my, my environment was very much a, I, was a, I was attracting needy, narcissistic people, um, victim, 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 woe be me. Like, you know, we'd, we'd, we would sit there and compare how much medication we're on. You know? yeah. <laughs> what dose? Oh, God, it's yeah. mortifying. And it's, um, but, <laughs> I think... Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this, like yes. identifying with your sickness and then keeping yourself in that sickness because you identify with it so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I became it. I lived it, breathed it, became it. Um, I was in MS groups, which you just, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, can I just a top tip? If you've ever got a problem like cancer or depression, you don't go to a depression group. You don't go to a cancer group. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you go to somewhere where they're not, where you don't, they don't have it, right? Because you are your environment. Um, but it it was the greatest gift I had. And now, what I do with my clients and when I facilitate, 
I get people out of their problem space because there's no solution in the problem. Yeah. There's just, there's just no solution in it. It's just a problem and you get more, whatever you focus on, you get more of. Exactly. So That's powerful. Keep, yeah, if you keep talking about your problem, you, you're just going to get more problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's actually really simple and people want to complicate it. Yeah. Like people ask me all the time, how did you heal from MS? I go, it was actually really easy. They're no, it can't be. It actually is. It's easier than taking medication three times a day. Just get rid of this limiting belief that you can't. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people, not that I can speak on an illness like that, but I feel like a lot of people who are ill or have a sickness like that want to truly believe that it's out of their hands because if it's if they have the power to act on it and to change it, then it means they're solely responsible for what happens to them. And that's scary for a lot of people. It is scary, but uh, but you know what? If anybody's watching this and says, that's the most scariest thing I've ever thought of, I'm going to say this to you in the most loving way. Get over it. Because if you want to, seriously, it's tough. But there are people, there are thousands of people out there who have got your back and who can lead you and who can help you. Because it's not the illness. The illness will go. It's those negative emotions and limiting beliefs and that closed mindset. That's what's got to be changed. And that can only be changed in the unconscious mind. And there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people can help, you know. But that, that it might be tough for a little while. Yep. But, my God, you reap the benefits forever. That's amazing. So how, do you, you know? how did you go about um, overcoming your MS? First off, I did the whole gut thing. It's about 20% of it, 80% mindset. So I just literally, it's kind of weird when, when you start going, when you make this decision like, right, now I need, I'm on a journey now to heal, yep. not just live with it, but heal, so, you know, like thrive, not survive. Um, you can write that one down yeah. too. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to survive, you want to thrive, right? <laughs> It's literally all these things started falling in my lap. These people, Dr. Joe Dispenza, huge. I went and saw him speak. Wow. Tony Robbins. I went to, um, I learned energy healing. I went to, I just came back from Awakened Woman, which is an amazing retreat. I went to Australian Success Academy and learned NLP, hypnotherapy, energy work. So I have all these modalities, but I, I would just go, I spent like a, I think we worked it out to about $160,000 in the last probably four or five years. Wow, that's a good investment. Yeah, definitely. God, yeah. I would do billion times more than that. Um, and that is I'm not only healing myself of MS, but that's my further education to heal other, to help others heal themselves. Yeah. You know, um, but I just went everywhere. I, I went over. I really, this is my massive belief. You ready for it? Yep. Not one thing is going to help you. It takes a village. When did we decide that it didn't take a village to help us anymore? Because all of a sudden we think we've got to do all of this on our own. It's bullshit. It doesn't take one thing. I was chiropractic care was amazing for me to set my, you know, my um, nervous system right, you know, all that. It was a whole lot of things, but this is what you got to do. You got to work with a conscious mind. 
You've got to work with the unconscious mind. You've got to work with an energy field of your body and at a spirit level. Yep. You have to do the four dimensions. You can't do three without spirit. You can't. You can't just do spirit. You've got to do all of it. That's what I've learned. That's what I teach. Yeah, that's what I've and learned. So spirit, what does that mean to you? How do you define that if you can? Spirit is your own spirit. It can be your own soul. It can be God. It can be universal law, angels. It can be ancestors past. It can be anything, all these beautiful beings that are around you that you may not be able to physically see, but you know you can feel them there. They're there. Um, your spirit animals. <clears throat> <laughs> Let me go. Anyway, <laughs> spirit animals, it's spirit. It's spirit. It's the spirit within you. What gets you out of bed in the morning? It's your purpose. Yep. You know, it's the light within you. It's your spirit. Yeah, that's what gives uh, life purpose, I feel. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Yeah, and we're 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 so used to being numbed out. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what for the most part medication does. Yes. Yep, sure does. So does sugar. So does all the other stuff. You know, it just it just numbs you out. And I was an expert at being numbed out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I didn't really know how to feel. I had disassociated my, disconnected my head from my heart because when your job is to protect and look after, you put them first. So to, for you to feel yourself, it's who's going to catch me? Yeah. Get me Because you're too busy looking after everyone else. You've got yeah. to connect those two. For the most part, people in that position feel like it's selfish to have any ounce of self-worth. <laughs> yeah. And that's the funny thing, the first thing I tell my clients now, especially mums, yep. I'll say the first person you've got to look after is who they go, the kids. I go, no, it's you because you cannot give from an empty cup. I did it for years and years and years and years and that shit gives you MS. You know, that shit gives you cancer, that shit makes you sick. Yeah, you have to give to yourself. And the minute I started giving to myself, the most beautiful thing happened, I was a leader for my two boys, and it gives them permission to put, to love themselves because they only do as we do. They don't do as we say. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you should see their bedrooms. Anyway, <laughs> but that's, I gave them permission. So whatever I healed in myself, I'm also leading my boys into being great leaders themselves. You know, and that, that's, that's a beautiful thing. So they, they know their bodies, they know themselves, and they'll sit there and they say, no, I need to honour myself in this. And they have great boundaries. You know, 16-year-old Ben, yesterday invited to a party, they're going to have marijuana there, and he goes, I'm not into it, so I'm not going to go. I'm like, dude, who is your mother? She's awesome, ask me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Because I wouldn't have said You're that. <laughs> I wouldn't have said that on six then. <laughs> I would have been rocking up, baby. <laughs> so that's boundaries, you know. It's like they're allowed to be them. Yep. Because I'm allowing me to be me now. Yeah, that's that's really important. And that's probably something your mum wasn't ever able to do. 
And that's something nah. I wanted to ask. Um, you said at the start, like, if one person within the family changes, it has a flow-on effect. Has you changing helped your mum change at all? Uh, my mum is amazing. My mother, sorry, I got a low battery. My mother is 76 and just changed and has come out of retirement now. And she is a, yeah, she's an NLP master practitioner, master hypnotherapist. She's a master family freedom protocol coach and she's a self-empowerment coach. And she helps women in their 70s who have lost themselves, which is literally 99.9% 99.9% of the freaking population. <laughs> so my mum is very busy. So I literally dragged her ass to everything that I did. Seriously. Uh, my children are NLP practitioners and hypnotherapists. My husband is now NLP practitioner and hypnotherapist. So it's just rippling out. Um, my my cousins, my cousins um, and I, we go and see Joe Dispenza. we the whole MS thing changed everything. Changed everything. It was so. It, I was. I'm really proud of being the leader I am in my family. Really proud of it. Um, it's it's my legacy. That's a pretty, pretty cool. Legacy pretty to cool isn't it? it is a cool <laughs> legacy to have. It is. You know, when you can look at your mom and she sits there and she has purpose. She's not. She's always done what she's been told to do her whole life. You know, and now she gets to travel. I took her to Bali. You know, I, I take her out. I'm taking her to Brisbane next week, weekend. I take her everywhere with me now, you know. She loves it. She's traveling. She's helping people. She feels good about herself. She's 76 and healthy. Three years ago, she couldn't walk. She had bone on bone on her knees, and she used to hire mobility scooters. It was all in her head. Yeah. We changed that. Literally said to her, what if you didn't have bad knees? What would you look like? She goes, I'd be doing this and this and this and this and this. She can walk now. <laughs> no operation. It's a miracle. It's all in there. It's all in there. It's powerful, buddy. Um, it's I just so to, powerful. I wanted to ask about you being um, being this mum and this partner and this partner that needed validation through providing and protecting. Was there ever any resentment throughout that period? Heaps. Absolutely heaps. Um, I was, re- I really resented my mother. I really resent, I loved, loved her, but was pissed off with her. I just had this underlying, I was just shitty with her. Yep. All the time. Like she say, she could say, hi darling, but like, what? You know, it was, it was an effort for me to be pleasant. Okay. Um, I was, I would get shitty with my husband. I would get shitty with the kids. I was a tyrant kind of mum. So, um, when you've got a belief system that you're dumb and you've got a belief system that everyone's judging you, the boys would come home and say, Hey mommy, what's for dinner? And they could be, you know, seven and eight. And I'd be like, food. All right. <laughs> yeah. And then I would go, Oh, Guilt shames. I'll go from anger to guilt shame. But oh my god, mummy's so dumb. So, but really, what was happening was in my head was, do they think I'm that dumb that I can't make a meal, or do, are they judging me as a mother that I'm not good enough mother that I can't even make them dinner? Yeah. To get me, so it was all me. Wow. You know, so I would go from anger to shame, guilt, anger to shame, guilt. That's that was easier to feel rather than the hurt and the sadness. Yeah. It was much easier to feel. But yeah, I, was, I resent it. I was so resentful. 
was everybody's fault, not but mine, <laughs> you know, and then you reach for a bottle of wine every night. Yeah. Yep. You know? How did you, because I can, I'll bet this is a problem for a lot of people out there is that resentment towards their parents for how they were brought up or some of the beliefs that were instilled in them. How did you go about forgiving your mum? Um, there was two processes to this. One is you have to believe that thing, everything happens for you, not to you. So how did that happen for me? To be honest, if I hadn't have had the journey I, have, I had had for all those years, I'm 48 and this happened, that whole MS thing changed my life, but I'd had this whole journey. If none of it had happened, I wouldn't be the mother I am today. I wouldn't be sitting here on a podcast talking to Lockie today. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't, I've just come back from touring America on stage sharing what I do. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't be reaching the people I'm reaching. So I'm so blessed that it happened to me because I can tell you now, if you ever want help from somebody, you want to make sure they've got a story. Yeah. You want to make sure they've been through the shit themselves. How did they get out of it? I can tell you the exact steps of what I did to get out of it. The second thing was I had to ask myself, how is this anger, how is this serving me? It's not. So what would be different if I got rid of it? Who would I be or how would I be? Because we get so stuck in that problem space. If we just ask ourselves really good quality questions, well, hang on, what if I didn't have that? Because I love my 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 mum is my mum is everything. She's beautiful. Um, what if I'm not angry? Because it's really all it's doing is just pissing me off, and it's teaching the boys how to treat me when I'm older. Yeah. Because they're seeing it. They're seeing me getting shitty with Nana for no reason. So then you start future pacing yourself and go, wow. How's that feel? And it literally, I just felt my tummy sort of go, oh, it actually feels really nice. She only knew, she only knew what she knew. Yeah. She only used the tools that she had. I've just got really good tools now. You know? That's powerful, buddy. Thanks, That's mate. Powerful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just last one on MS. Was the ever like an aha moment or any turning point where you're like oh shit I don't need to rely on like health professionals anymore I can do this myself yeah um my last visit to the neurologist about four days before that um my husband's Italian beautiful big Italian family and my niece was 18 months now I had muscle I could I could pick things up yeah but I couldn't feel them in my hands and my arms. And my husband passed me my 18-month-old niece and I dropped her. Oh, shit. Yeah. Thank God my husband plays footy. He grabbed her head literally this far off the bottom of a concrete step. She would have split her head open. And that was it. So that happened. And when Ben put his hand on my knee and said, Mommy, I love it when you're still, I was like, this is bullshit. And then when I went to that, that last time at the neurologist, they do a pin prick. Yeah. And so they, you have to close your eyes. You lay there and they get the pin and they pin prick your feet, your hands, your face, your chest, all over. And I'm there with my mate Suzanne. 
And I'm lying there for ages. And I'm, I've looked at her going, when are they starting? And she's just got tears streaming down her face. They'd finished. I hadn't felt any of it. Well, what? And then when he said, look, we can put you on more. It was actually when I said to him, when do I get better? And it was literally he went like this. <sighs> he just looked defeated, this doctor. Yeah. The neurologist and I just went, well, I don't feel very safe here. <laughs> I'm like, this can't be, I'm like, fuck, this can't be good. And he just said to me, you know, um, you'll be in a wheelchair. And that's when, like, in my head, I'm literally got, oh, my God, I'm going to be dribbling. My husband's going to have to wipe my ass. Like, you know, I'm too vain for that shit. There's no way, mate, I'm out of here. <laughs> nah, nah. I would, to be honest, I think I would rather have gone to heaven. Yeah. I, 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 I hadn't planned anything, but it was definitely in the back of my head probably about the past four weeks before I went that last appointment of maybe I, maybe I might check out. I mean, I would, probably would have been too chicken shit to do it, yeah. but it was definitely, it was a thought process that was going in my head. Like my boys are going to be better off without me. Anthony's got to be better off without me. You know, like so, it's such in a bad way. But it was, it was, that, that, was that last visit and I went, they're not looking after me. And one of the other things Suzanne said to them, look, you know, I've been Googling MS diets that say get off gluten, get off this, get off that. And he said to me, he goes, you don't have to do anything about food or anything just as long as you keep onto your medication. Oh, wow. And I went, I don't think that's right. I don't, th- I don't think that's right. And that's when I've never been back. Never been back. Shit. You've been through the wars. Yeah, but it's been good wars. Like it's happened for me. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. not to me. Yeah, it's definitely happened for me. Um, a few quick questions before we wrap up, buddy. Uh, knowing everything that you've been through, uh, knowing what your mum went through, knowing the childhood you had as the protector, and then growing up feeling dumb and needing validation, your relationships, PTSD from the birth and MS. What would you say the quality of your life is like now? Oh, my God. (laughs) Quality of my life right now is something that I actually thought was untangible. Um, It is, I, I, oh, God. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I keep dropping you, Lockie. I still love you. It's all right. Sorry. (laughs) You never be dropped so many times in one day. (laughs) Are you sure you don't have any Okay, how's your stuff worth? My quality of my life right now is I've got this beautiful family. We travel a lot. Um, we are close. I've got two boys, 17 and 16, who, are, who know themselves, who are passionate about gaming, um, which I love, and they have their own interests and they're good, good young men. I have this passionate relationship with my husband and he is he is freaking hot um well you know, after 16 years people and just they end up this brother sister relationship and we just don't have that you know we look at each other and go vroom, vroom. it's amazing you know um because when you get rid of all the conditioning and everything and you see someone and you allow i i give more of myself to my husband now yeah i don't hide behind things you know behind fear um, oh, for God's sakes. Sorry. I really so, just want to look at your roof. 
Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> my, my quality of life is amazing. I have amazing people around me, beautiful people around me who are in my inner tribe. Great family, beautiful family. Life is good. I mean, I wish I had less cellulite, but I life is good. <laughs> well, if you can no, really, this, you I can don't. Cellulite. <laughs> Cellulite's my biggest problem right now. It's a good, good quality problem to have. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. It's really good. Uh, what have you added to your life or removed from it to improve the quality of it? What did I remove? Uh, added or removed. I removed my limiting beliefs. I removed negative emotions. I added positive emotions and I added acceptance of self. Damn. <laughs> Damn. And flamingos. I definitely accepted flamingos. Is that because you have red hair? Do you know what? This is a freakiest thing. I don't know why flamingos, but flamingos have been coming in. So we had to do this thing last weekend and find our spirit animal and lo and behold, a freaking flamingo got caught. And then the flamingo has to tell you why. Do you know why? Because ever since I said I love flamingo, I'm not joking, people send me flamingo gifts. This is a tape dispenser. It's a flamingo. I have so – I have – I will show you, right? Look. Flamingos. I have them everywhere. It's crazy. It's because now I'm okay to receive. I'm going. I feel like I'm going to the roof. You're not. You're there. Oh. So, um, yeah, it's, it's so I received because I never received. Yeah. And now I'm open to receiving. Oh, the roof. <laughs> Sorry. Roof is on. Yeah, okay. Let the motherfucker burn. Sorry. I got hooked up in that song then. <laughs> so how have, sorry, how have you, um, I guess, cultivated that? self-acceptance or their ability to receive it's practice it is practice every day because if somebody gives you something this is what I learned and you throw it back at them it's really bad manners and you're literally calling that person a liar so if someone comes up to you and says hey I really love that shirt and you go oh this old thing I got it from Kmart you're underlying it yeah if you just say thank you you know, if someone says to you, hey, I think you're really great, you go, oh, I'm not really. What, are you calling me a liar? You know, so it's a practice. Look at that person from left eye to left eye and say, thank you. And even if you don't feel it, it's just practice. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. You practice it every day. Yeah, because if you don't take those compliments on board or you, I guess, try to tell them that they're wrong, even if it's in a nice way, then you're really just affirming that you're not enough. Hundred percent, and and you're 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 being rude. It's like somebody going to this place and buying you something nice and wrapping it all up in paper and going, "Oh, I've got this beautiful present. I'm thinking of Lucky, and he'll love this." And passing it to you, and you go, oh, "I don't really like presents." <laughs> yep. And you're like, "I just spent an hour, freaking half, to go and find this present for you," and I. Had to save up for it. And here's your present. Like, no, 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 I don't really like, like gifts. Do you get me? It's rude. So just practice. Practice saying thank you. Uh, what are you most grateful for right now? The ability to want to change. 
Yes. That's a cool one. I haven't heard that before. Thanks. You can write that one down too. It's going to be an Instagram snippet. <laughs> Stealing on my good shit. <laughs> oh, no, it's mine now. Oh, yeah. Sharon, Karen. Yeah. Own the rights to this now. <laughs> yeah, really it is. It's just the, the, the want and the ability to change. Yeah. And I guess the greater that desire, the the more you do progress and change and like you said with the change within the family that just has an even bigger knock-on effect to your kids and your partner 100 percent. and you know their friends i mean i this house is always full of teenagers you know and i've got their parents around and you know it's just it's beautiful you know we're part of the softball group that the the um footy group and we're just the ripple effect is amazing it's beautiful that's awesome uh, yeah. Last question. If you had the chance to put a message on a billboard where you know thousands of people would see it every day, what would that message be? Everybody has the innate ability to thrive. Yes. <laughs> Coming with fire today. God, you want to steal that one too? <laughs> yeah. He's like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's Just my core message. Just keep talking and I'll write a book of quotes. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, um, is that it? Yeah. Are we good now? Yeah, I just want to acknowledge you before you go for making time for this, going to buy headphones. Um, but Thank most you. importantly, for everything that you've been through, you've been through the wars and turning that pain into power and now helping yeah. empower other people, um, not having that scarcity mindset and really, I guess, dishing out your knowledge base so more people can spread that knowledge and you know help heal more, heal more people and. I love 100%. I love your energy. Um, Thank you. How smiley and bubbly you are. It's, it's amazing. Thank you. And Thank you. Really Life should be fun. <laughs> Life should be fun. That's what it should be, fun. We forgot that part. <laughs> Thank you so Thanks, much, Thanks, Lucky. Oh, my play was beautiful. Thanks so much. See you. Bye. Bye.